0: Hello recovery seekers, welcome to this week's amazing episode. Now you guys know on this space it's all about family estrangement and how you can navigate your way through the arena of estrangement that you'll find yourself in, sometimes predictable, sometimes unexpectedly. This covers whether you've walked away or people have walked away from you and I do this by bringing different guests every week to shed light on different circumstances and scenarios in their life that might just give you a little light in how you can navigate your own journey of estrangement. So for this week, I have the amazing guest. Her name is Bernadette Jackson. She's a woman of faith, a mom and a fatherless daughter. She is a, a transparent truth teller, and a relationship strategist and she works with women who have experienced fatherlessness you're going to love this conversation just as as much as i've enjoyed her bringing on to the show so enjoy hello guys welcome to another week is episode for today's episode i have an amazing guest her name is bernadette jackson now, what's so interesting about Bernadette is she works, she works with fatherless daughters, right? Bernadette discovered that there's 84 million women in America that identify as fatherless. And she, did, she realized there was not a lot of resources there. So now she's on the course of working with these women and she provides very valuable service. She has an Instagram page. She has a one-to-one coaching program. And she also has a podcast, which I highly recommend that you listen, especially if you've gone through fatherless or even if you're estranged from your parents, uh, because she does give you a way to navigate some of those feelings that are accompanying such scenarios. Okay, I'm not going to speak much about Bernadette, but she is right here and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Bernadette, please take over.
1: Hi, Miriam. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on your podcast. I have listened to some of your uh, your episodes and I really do resonate with um, the topic that you share. Uh, Estrangement is very, very, very hard to handle. And it's also something that a lot of us, I feel like we're just not even equipped to deal with. And a part of the reason why I started doing this work is because I didn't even realize that my lack of relationship with my father caused so many issues in my current relationships. And it wasn't until I decided to get radical about, you know, like learning how my own fatherlessness affected me. Uh, what did I believe about myself because of that? And what did I need to change in order to start having the relationships that I wanted? Mm-hmm. It wasn't until then that I realized that not only was I not alone, but that there weren't a lot of resources for women who identify as fatherless daughters. And so um, for me, my story begins with, you know, my mom and I really, it was her and I, most of the time, yeah. and my father did not live very far. He lived about maybe three and a half hours away and he could have driven down at any moment, uh, but he just never did. And, you know, we would have maybe about one or two conversations a year and they would always center around him wanting to see me mm-hmm. and saying that he would come and visit soon, but that never happening. And so it, it was almost as if I I didn't understand why, but I I also wanted so much to be in a relationship with him that I would imagine what it could possibly be like. Mm -hmm. And so in my private time, like in my, in the imaginings of my mind, I would have conversations with him. Like, you know, I would imagine what his house was like, you know, what that side of my family was like, just, you know, all the things that I would do with my father. And it it soothed me a little bit, but it it also caused a a type of disassociation where I I wasn't really living in reality in my relationships. I would honestly imagine the best possible scenario of the relationship and not really focus on what was actually happening in the moment. And so a lot of the relationships that I was in, you know, Mm -hmm. because I felt like I needed to prove my worth in those relationships. Mm -hmm. And I felt that way because I thought that there was something wrong with me, why my father wasn't around. I would just do like everything that I could think of to make the relationship turn into what I had imagined it to be in my mind, like what I was soothing myself Mm Um, In my mind so that I can endure some of these relationships that were quite frankly unfulfilling and unsatisfying and where my needs and my desires and my priorities were never met. And so when I started to, to do the deep work, like all of these, all of these things came together. A lot of things bubbled up to the surface for me. And I really got to understand exactly how I was showing up in relationships and why. Yeah. And it was a game changer for me. Oh, it was a you, game changer. Can
0: you tell us through that process, how, when did you get that? ha moment? And it was like, okay, the penny has dropped now. Mm. This is why I show up in this relationship. So how did these to show up before that was conducive to the foundations the the foundations that were laid previously, which were not the correct foundations? How did this manifest now for you in relationships?
1: That's a really great question. So um, before I took the journey to healing, I was emotionally unavailable in relationships. Mm. Um, and I was also in relationships with people who were emotionally unavailable. And right. all the while, while these things were happening, I was yearning for a deeper connection. Mm. and And I didn't know how to get there. I I refused to be vulnerable in relationships because I thought that being vulnerable was going to lead to me being hurt
0: or um,
1: somehow my weakness being exposed. And, um, I was also trying to prove that I was worthy to be loved in each of these relationships. Mm. So, um, nobody really understood like what I needed uh, why I needed it. I didn't prioritize my own feelings, my own desires and and any of that because I, I thought that all of those things mm-hmm. made me too vulnerable. And yes. if I told people exactly what I needed and why, you know they would get to know me too deeply or mm-hmm. they would they would see where I hurt and they mm-hmm. would be able to exploit that. They might be able to use that against me, you know, and all of these things. And so I I stayed in a very tight bubble in my relationships, even though I wanted deeper connection. So and it was, so, go on, I'm sorry. So I
0: was going to say you developed a severe sense of self-preservation. Absolutely. To protect yourself from the harm that could have been.
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And even though it was a lot of it was imagined and a lot of it was, you know, just trauma, unhealed trauma from not really mm. understanding why my father relationship was what it was and um how that related to me, like all of these things really just played into how I showed up in relationships and and it was not it was not in authenticity. I had um, developed a persona and that mm-hmm. persona is who you got to know. And mm-hmm. it was not until I started to heal and I, I went down this healing journey, one that I'm still on even today, that I got to know myself. And I started to show up as who I really was in relationship. Mm-hmm. So, um, question about, you know, how am I in relationships now?
0: Yeah, I, I was am just my about most, to get to that. <laughs> right. I'm
1: my most authentic self in relationships yeah. now. Yeah. And um I it's a decision that I make moment to moment. It's not something that I feel is. Uh, just a a one-time decision where you can just say, okay, I'm gonna just operate in authenticity from here on out. You have to choose that moment to moment. And so when when I show up in spaces, I just show up as who I am. Like, you know, you ask me questions, I'm transparent about how I feel, what I need and why. And it has been so freeing for me to Mm -hmm. be that way because now I don't feel like I have to put on airs. I don't feel like Mm -hmm. I have to you know, be perfect, or I have to show up a certain way in order to be liked or believed or accepted or to belong. Yeah. Now I just show up as who I am and I accept when people want to be in my space and they they, they like the energy that I give and I accept when they don't. And yeah. that that right there, like just being accepting of how people receive me mm-hmm. has been the most freeing for me because I realized that I can't control what anyone else does. I can't control how they think what they believe about me or any of those things like that yes. is absolutely based on their lived experiences what they've gone through and their level of healing and so when I came to that realization mm-hmm. and I realized that I can only control me and how I respond to things mm-hmm. it has allowed me to release people gently and not feel offended it has allowed me to you know decide that this particular relationship does not work for me at this time and that's okay it doesn't mean that you're a bad person it just means that we're not a good fit and all of these things so it's been the most freeing experience I've had the most amazing relationship since then yes and it really has just allowed me to just you know flourish and that's really what I want for the women that I serve
0: mic drop this is literally a <laughs> mic drop moment honestly what you've just explained you're showing up your authentic self you're allowing the relationship to blossom and the relationship that you see this is not true you're happy to release them and from what you sound that release with compassion not even with right. malice not with hate not with nothing Absolutely. because now you know yourself and it's almost like if you don't accept me for me that's okay it doesn't mean I'm a bad person do you know how many people go for family estrangement they're still dealing with that rejection and now when they go to new relationships it's oh okay I must be because there's something faulty with me yeah this keeps happening because it happened with these people my family of origin now it's happening with others there must be something here because we're looking through things through trauma lenses yeah right Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for saying that, because I always say that when we experience abandonment and rejection in childhood, it often skews our perception of who we are. Absolutely. What we can achieve or the type of relationship we enter. Right. This is all part of that skewed lens that was imprinted within a tapestry of what makes us us. So I'm going to go to another question. You had mentioned that on addition to your podcast, you mentioned there are three types of fatherless daughters. Mm -hmm. Are you able to elaborate more on that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I look at fatherlessness as being on a spectrum. And on one end of it, it is um, fathers who have not been in the home at all, who um, have abandoned their responsibilities. And then on the very other side of that, it is fathers who are in the home, who are also emotionally available to their daughters. So that's the spectrum. Now, in the middle of that, we have fathers who have uh, passed away. And Mm -hmm. we also have fathers who are in the home, but not emotionally available. And a lot of our lived experiences with our father falls someplace on that spectrum.
0: And how does this manifest with each um, of the scenarios of the fatherless? How would this manifest into a relationship? How did this manifest? Um, for example, someone has gone through fatherless, but their father had died. Now, this is a tricky one mm-hmm. because um, I, I was at your podcast, the way you meant you took me through that process, I was like, huh, I've never actually saw it that way. Um, in terms of idealizing what the relationship could be, like it's pretty much what you mentioned earlier that you had plenty of conversations with your dad, although it was in your mind, right? And Mm -hmm. you imagine certain scenarios. So this can also happen when a person is present, but obviously in in a different town. But it's a similar process that someone goes through when their fathers died as well?
1: Yeah, so... When a daughter has had a relationship with her father, both good and bad, and he passes away, there are certain things that happen um, with that relationship that help her to grieve. And one of the things that happens is that she now develops a very grandiose sense of who he is Mm -hmm. and who he was in her life, good or bad and so the the way i like to explain it is that if a if a woman has had a really great relationship with her father and he passes away she immortalizes those feelings and that relationship mm-hmm. to such a degree that many men that she comes in contact with will not even be able to live up to the standard that she has set in her mind because any woman who has had a really great relationship with their dad they want for their significant others to to be like that person Mm. to be like their father and so if her if her dad has died, mm. now every great memory that she has is made even more grandiose because it is almost a coping mechanism and a comfort to her for her to remember all of the ways that her father loved her, all of the ways that he showed up for her and just all of the great memories that she has. And in our minds, making these memories so big mm. in an effort to um, combat the grief that we feel, it yes. now changes your view on what your father was. So wow. there are almost like no mistakes that you may have remembered that he has made. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that he ever did wrong. There is like, he's almost superhuman in the way you think of him. Mm-hmm. And that kind of pedestal that you have put him on is one that is almost unachievable for a man that you come in contact with. And so now no one is good enough, you know? anything that might happen in a relationship becomes so catastrophic that it's like you know you can't even really get past it because Mm -hmm. well my father would have never done that that. my you know what i mean and it's like you you don't know the man now like you have immortalized him to be this kind of superhero to you Mm -hmm. and he's no longer a man and superheroes are always saving the day they almost like you know they they never do anything wrong and they absolutely don't have any flaws so it's like if you are looking for the person that you want to be with to exemplify those characteristics you're never going to find that and and a lot of fatherless daughters whose fathers have died Mm -hmm. don't understand that that dynamic and even on the other side of that if she has had a really bad relationship with her father and he passed away Mm -hmm. um all of those memories Are still magnified in her mind, and so now you know she has the resentment around Mm -hmm. you know the types of relationships or experiences that she's had with him. There's a lot of bitterness there. There's a lot of anger. You know, a lot of um, things that were left unsaid. Um, All of these things, and so if she is with a really great man and he does anything that resembles a situation that has happened with her father, who she has all of these unresolved resolve negative feelings for, Mm -hmm. it almost wipes out any good thing that he could have done. And that relationship is essentially over because she was not able to deal with Mm -hmm. those issues with her father. And because there's so much unhealed trauma there and unresolved issues, any trigger that resembles anything that looks like what her father has done, Mm -hmm. someone who she has all of these negative feelings towards, she cannot see the person for being anything else except for that one thing one that thing. they did and so it just it derails the it derails the relationships mm-hmm. so i can see
0: how think relation someone can start self-sabotaging a relationship absolutely with that
1: yeah
0: what? what about the other group where the father was at home but unemotionally unavailable completely not
1: right. present. So physically there f- but not present Yeah. So with women whose father were uh, in the home, but they were emotionally unavailable, those women deal with a lot of um, feeling of not being seen. And so with that, they are attention seekers. They need validation from anyone that they're in a relationship with. If uh, they are met with a man who shows them attention or validates them in the ways that their father did not, that is literally all they need in order to feel like they are loved and accepted by that person. So Regardless the bye of is,
0: the buy is very long.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That honestly, they're looking for attention, good or bad, from whoever is going to give it to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, essentially, those women also will seek out attention by doing things um, as well, whether it is um, promiscuity, It could be um, overextending themselves in relationships with others. It could be um, whatever antics they believe that they need to to show in order to be seen or for someone to pay attention to them, Um, constantly seeking validation from others. Um, All of these things are ways in which they try to, almost remedy what was going on in their home with their dad and it stems from a lot of thinking that there's something must be wrong with them that their father did not pay attention to them that he couldn't be bothered to learn who they was who they were rather That he was not curious about them. He never took them out. Um, There was no real relationship there. Like all of those things will show up in her view of herself and what Mm. she feels she deserves and what she feels she needs to do in order to have the type of relationship that she wants with others.
0: Right. Oh, I like that explanation. Honestly, they that is somebody who's going to be listening to this right now and they will be able to relate to all the three fathers which leads to the 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 last identified fatherless daughters and how does that manifest later down the line
1: oh that one honestly like it can manifest itself in so many ways a father who is absent from the home altogether um where you didn't have any type of relationship with your father it manifests itself in a fear of abandonment, Mm -hmm. fear of rejection, um, constantly wanting to control every situation. And um, that is because you did not have any control at all over the type of relationship that you had with your father. It was something that you were ill-equipped to handle and it wasn't a situation that you wanted to be in. And so you find it very comforting being in control over many of the situations in your life as many as you can be and Mm -hmm. so in doing that, you feel like if you can take control of the situation, then you can predict outcomes. And if you can predict outcomes, then you can prepare yourself for what's to come. And that feeling of, you know, being prepared for the inevitable or prepared Mm -hmm. for, you know, like what's coming up, all of those things are very comforting feelings to fatherless daughters. And Mm -hmm. even though we don't know, we can't prepare for life because we don't know what someone else is going to do. You don't know how they're going to respond to us. It is still, you know, a desire that you have because you feel like as much of the situation that you can control Mm -hmm. as possible is going to help you to get closer to understanding what, what the possible outcomes could be. And if you know what those outcomes could possibly be, then you can prepare yourself mentally for if they decide to leave, for Mm -hmm. if you're going to be rejected, for if they're going to not see the value in you and all of these limiting beliefs that you already have within you. So those are some of the ways that it presents Um, also in just like not understanding how to give or receive love. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that's very prevalent in this um, demographic as well. Uh, Fatherless daughters, especially the ones whose fathers were absent, uh, stumble through intimate relationships. like They don't understand intimacy outside of sex. And it feels very, very, very Exposing for them, and almost as if, um, almost as if they're being rejected. And really, it's just the person wanting to explore who you are. But in that exploration, you feel so exposed that you almost want to run away from how intense it is when a person mm-hmm. wants to get to know you deeply. And so it, it, it just manifests itself in so many different ways, but, but those are the ways that I wanted to highlight for this conversation, because, you know, your audience really um, resonates with um, estrangement, and yes, those yes. are the ways that, that can really show up in your community as well as mine.
0: Absolutely, it does show up in, specifically that way that you mentioned, and mm-hmm. I love what you just said, it's, I mean, I, I think anybody listening to this, get it. They get that. And I think most of us can identify at a time when we're literally trying to calculate everything because by calculating, I'm trying to predict the outcome. Right. We can try to navigate these things. And if we're trying to predict it, I will feel it's the negative outcome. So what we're going to do now is going to jump ship before mm-hmm. that ship we perceive is going to be wrecked. You see, exactly, right? So exactly. we're going to change course. And because yeah. I looked in the past when this and this and that happened led to that, I see your behavior now. Uh-huh. I see one, two, three. So I'm making a connection with the present, future, with the predictable past, yes. and now I'm making this decision now to self preserve because I, I know you're gonna hurt me. So any matter of time, you're just there. Yeah, I, I knew it. And then, God forbid, they do one little thing. What did I say? That's I knew you're it. Do it. You see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. You I, explained it perfectly. That is exactly it.
0: Yes, and the for the adult people. Uh, so for within an within estrangement community, there's people become um, estranged by choice. Mm. Uh, as a said, due to toxic, maybe dysfunctional family dynamics, compounding interest over the years. And others, people have walked away from them. Um, it wasn't their choice. And mm-hmm. they're still dealing with the aftermath of rejection as an adult. Now, I think we've, now there's so much understanding about abandonment in childhood and that shapes us. But very rare we speak about abandonment in adulthood when you grown up with your family of origin and now you're experiencing what we call abandonment right right and with some of your community that you've worked with so say somebody's been estranged from their dad or they've managed to reconnect and then this lasted for some time and then the relationship to regress to back to where it was when they were child how do you navigate these women who have been estranged reunited and estranged again so rejection again and again how does that work?
1: that wow that's a really great question. Um, this is what I would say the the number one thing that I teach my clients and this this would work for this situation as well is that you have to you have to look at your father as being a person and I think that a lot of us really don't separate the role. Or the responsibility that your father had from from the person and who they are, and when you can start to when you can start to humanize your parents mm-hmm. and understand that they have had their own traumas, they've had their yes. own experiences, they've had their own um, limitations, their own limiting beliefs, their all these barriers that might have been the reason why um, your relationship with them has reverted back to uh, estrangement or abandonment or whatever it is, then you can understand that your father, although his um, estrangement or the way in which he has handled his relationship with you is disappointing to you, you can show compassion and grace for the fact that you know he is a person who has um, made mistakes, who has handled mm-hmm. situations very poorly, but it does not reflect on who you are as a person, mm-hmm. on your character, mm-hmm. on your value or your worth. And so when we can separate our parents' actions from somehow being our fault, it helps you to be able to accept a lot easier that your father, yes, he's your father, but he is also human. And humans yes. make mistakes, and humans will behave poorly, and humans will do things that will hurt us. And some of it is not intentional. No, that's and some why. of it. Some of it is is, um, just character flaws. And uh, a lot of it then is things that we should be able to understand because we have also made mistakes. We have also done things that uh, may have just been poor choices at the time. And it could very well have just been based on the information that we knew at the time. time, And now we have grown and now we know more. And so now we behave accordingly. And so when you are able to detach yourself from the expectation that your father has to behave in a certain way, especially if you know that he has a pattern of you know, showing up and leaving or just like not being able to be in a committed relationship with you. Mm-hmm. it once you know that pattern and you can detach yourself from any expectation that things are going to change Mm. I believe that that is when you can start to accept the relationship for what it is and make the choice for how you are going to handle that. Because ultimately the only choice that you have, the only thing that you have control over is how you respond to what's happening to you. Absolutely. And so once you know who your father is and what he's like and what his patterns are and whatnot you now have to assess is this something is mm-hmm. who he is completely unchanged if he never changes at all is who he is somebody that i can have in my life in a, mm-hmm. in in any kind of capacity Mm -hmm. And when you can answer that question for yourself, then you know what your next steps should be. Because if the answer is no, then you need to decide now exactly how you're going to release that relationship or lack thereof gently. And it could mean very well, like what you said, where, you know, estrangement that you choose, like, I'm making the choice to step away from this relationship because, you know, I can't do the back and forth, I can't do you being one foot in and one foot out or whatever it is, Mm. or you've decided that you're going to leave the door open and however he wants to come in he will come in and i will you know accept what he's giving at the time, and when it's no longer available, I'm fine with it not being available, because I have already surrounded myself with my chosen family, and I have all of the support that I need in that area already, so whatever he comes with is a bonus for however long he's able to give it to me, and that's it, so that is how I would answer that.
0: Brilliant, I I love that we just answered, you just gave two scenarios, and how someone can navigate both uh, so thank you. That's amazing. Um, no problem. Another one, I another question that I, I want to ask you, because uh, I know our time is almost coming up, mm-hmm. is how does one begin to rediscover uh, fear-based responses? Uh, I know you spoke. we spoke about that earlier, that
1: mm-hmm.
0: when we go through such experience, when someone goes through uh, fatherless, right. we develop fear-based responses, right? Yeah. And if you can just briefly let me know, how do you begin to work with people to identify the fearless? I think we covered this previously when we were just speaking generally. Mm-hmm. Um, how does someone begin to discover their fear-based responses? Because the community that's listening to me, because of what they've been through, they've also developed fear responses towards certain situations, people, and circumstances. Mm-hmm. So how do you your commun- begin to identify this and the process? And how do they come out on the other side?
1: Okay. So um, with fear based responses, those are really born out of our triggers and our limiting beliefs. And that comes from the story that we tell ourselves based on the experiences that we've had. And a lot of us have not gone deeply enough within ourselves to really be able to understand what these stories have meant to us and yeah. why we handle things the way that we do. Mm-hmm. So, the one thing that I would say is that uh, notice your triggers, notice the things that really upset you very quickly the things that derail you um, when you're um, making progress with stuff Mm -hmm. um, the types of arguments and or comments or situations that really um, have your antennas up and have you thinking about ways to exit like all of those things start noticing what those situations are because you will know exactly what areas need to be healed and really what you need to start to to explore once you notice what those patterns are and what those areas are that really trigger you very easily. That would be the first thing that I would say. Once you notice those things and you can kind of uh, have an idea of Okay, these types of situations really do make me feel very vulnerable to the point where I need to, to look for my exit before this person leaves me and situations like that. Yeah. Um, whenever you get to, to understand like what those triggers actually are, I want you to start asking yourself what happened in my childhood that informed that, that mm-hmm. informed that trigger because once we understand what the root of the trigger is, we're now able to speak to it and now we can um, recognize it before it comes and we can decide that we're going to respond differently. differently. So if you know what the trigger is and you know how you respond to the trigger, Mm -hmm. Then those two things are going to be very important pieces of information for you, Mm -hmm. because now you're going into situations much more informed and aware of who you are and, you know, how you respond and you have a choice now you have a choice to either respond the way you always have with your Mm -hmm. fear-based responses or doing something different. And the something different that I teach my clients is uh, transparent truths. Um, I believe that being very open about like how you feel in the moment and why is very, very therapeutic. Mm -hmm. And it also will show you that most people are not out to get you, Most people actually want for you to be happy and they will, they will walk hand in hand with you to find your happiness. Like that's really the bottom line. A lot of us don't really know that, but if somebody is in relationship with you, they like you, they, they want to be there and they want you to be happy. And so if those, if those three things are true, yeah. then please understand that if you tell them exactly how you're feeling and why you're feeling that way, and, and you offer a solution, mm-hmm. like this is how I can feel safer in this situation, you know, can we come to a resolution about um, this particular thing, whatever it is, the is, you're more than likely going to get a favorable response. Yes. And so that's what I would say to that.
0: Oh Bernadette thank you guys don't you just love that I love that that is yeah. such wisdom <laughs> like hello <laughs> mic drop it's just wisdom after wisdom after wisdom so Bernadette uh now we're gonna round up the interview
1: mm. and
0: I was gonna say so I'm one of those people I love my mantras and my quotes uh I always find that they get me sometimes through the toughest time do you have a specific mantra or quotes that you stick by or that you live by you've got to stack on your wall some people's I'm enough Uh, mantra what do you have that just on a down on the days that you're feeling down it's just something that you can pick up and be like yes this to uplift me what is that thing
1: uh, for me it is um how i end every episode it's what i tell all of my clients and it is that you deserve amazing relationships yes and um that you need to start with the relationship with yourself that's the most important relationship that you have and yeah. if you believe that you deserve amazing relationships there are certain things that you are going to be committed to doing yeah. and it has just absolutely helped me to be grounded in you know like what i should be doing right now why i should be doing that and And honestly, just picking myself up when I'm in these moods, sometimes where I feel like, you know, I'm just not at my best or whatever it is. So you deserve amazing relationships is what I want to tell your audience is what I tell myself every day is what I believe that we all deserve. Oh, thank you. So Bernadette, welcome my listeners find you they can find me on instagram at bernadette n jackson so that's b-e-r-n-a-d-e-t-t-e-n-j-a-c-k-s-o-n Everything that I do is there, all of my links to my podcast, to my website, to my coaching program. And right now I am offering a free training for how to conduct a relationship autopsy. And so the link to sign up for that is in the bio of my Instagram account as well. Oh,
0: fantastic. I've never heard relationship autopsy before. My God, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could you just elaborate like for one minute what that is?
1: Absolutely. A relationship autopsy is a um, series of questions and an exercise that you do to understand what your patterns of relationship are. Mm -hmm. And it will help you to figure out why you've been attracting the partners that you have, the types of relationships that you've been in, how you feel about that and why. So that's really the very, very quick rundown of what a relationship autopsy does for you. And yes. it helps you to be informed about how you can um, choose relationships going forward. So guys, you heard that. I'm going to put everything in the show notes on here. So if you want to get
0: all the details, they'll be on the show notes underneath the episode, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other mediums, they'll be there. Now get we all have to engage, we all involve in relationships so some closer than others but you know what we all need to do this autopsy and I think I'm going to do some myself (laughs) Bernadette thank you so so much and thank you a trillion times
1: I really appreciate being here thank you for having me Miriam oh you are welcome
0: this is so that is all for this week's amazing conversation with Bernadette Jackson now I'm sure you guys love that conversation just as much as I did. So, what are my takeaways from this episode? Well, as I highlighted earlier, in a conversation is that there's 84 million women in America who are identified, who identify themselves as fatherless. Right? That's a really big number. Now, that's just America. I'm UK based, and I'm pretty sure um, the statistics would also be significant. And of course, taken in, uh, in account globally. So my other take on this episode is that fatherless will change your view in many areas of your life, particularly when it comes to relationship with yourself and others. So healing is imperative. Number two, oh, number three, fear of abandonment and rejection due to being at an age where you are unable to process the emotions of being fatherless because sometimes means you want to control things. And if you're able to control things, you can predict the outcome, which is a, almost a safe mode. Knowing how things can turn out is safer than not knowing how things can turn out. Number four, start humanizing some of the people who have limited capacity to provide you with what you needed at the time when you were too young to even understand what was going on. Sometimes understanding that they only did what they knew within their capacity of understanding at the time. And to also understand that we all make mistakes. But with that said, it is also imperative that you learn how to put up your boundaries. Relationship autopsy is necessary. And that's my take for this week is an amazing episode. I'll catch you guys again next week. Thank you so much for listening.